0: All right, in just a little bit, we're going to be welcoming my friend Rusty onto the stage. We go way back to 8.15 this morning, so <laughs> you're going to get to meet him. Um, but first, Sarah's going to do our scripture reading um, in Spanish and in English, reminding us again that scripture is for the whole world, not just for us. So thank you, Sarah. Under that consideration, would you mind standing for the reading of God's word, which will be from Matthew 7. I will read verses 7 through 8 in Spanish and then 7 through 11 in English. This is the word of the Lord. Pidan y se les dará, busquen y hallarán, llamen y se les abrirá, porque todo el que pide recibe, el que busca haya, y al que llama se le abrirá. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find.
1: Good morning. morning. So good to be with you all. Uh, Man, I was really surprised by how lively the 9 a.m. was, Uh, but you all seem like you're going to be kind of lively today, too. Is that right? All right, good. Uh, Thank you for having me. My name is Rusty Mackey. Uh, It is a true honor to be able to be here uh, with Sound City Bible Church today. Truly, truly it is. I am a husband of 16 years to Rachel Mackey. I personally believe that she is the most amazing person on the planet. And I'm very happy to be her husband. I have three young, rambunctious children, Justice, Haven, and Atlas. Uh, They were in the back, at least two of them, probably because my youngest was getting a little rowdy as well. Uh, And yeah, we made the harrowing trip here from Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we hopped on a plane with a 20-month-old and we prayed a lot, and it worked out. It worked out. We made it here. I have the privilege as well of not only being here with you this morning, but also of getting to be uh, your pastor, Aaron, and his wife, Aaron Lynn, get to be their sabbatical coach. And this is with the work that I do. I'm the founder of Steadfast Ministries. I do spiritual direction, sabbatical coaching, for ministry leaders, and I also lead workshops, which later this afternoon I'm going to get to hang out with your staff and with your pastors and get to do a workshop with them. And again, it's such a joy to be with you. And one of the reasons that your pastors wanted me to preach this morning was that dynamic of being with you, they wanted you to have the opportunity to get to know the guy who is hanging out with Aaron and Aaron Lynn, and that dynamic of being together, spending time with one another, being able to get to know one another, that is so on point for the passage that I'm preaching today. Uh, The passage today is all about prayer, which is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, not because I'm good at it, Uh, But because I so desperately want to be good at it. (laughs) Prayer is such a beautiful gift from God, and yet so often we struggle with prayer. Another dynamic when it comes to prayer is with my work with Steadfast Ministries, I do spiritual direction, which if you've never heard of that, it looks a lot like counseling. So I hop on an hour-long call with someone, and they share their problems that they're hoping to overcome. And I ask questions much like a counselor would, but the thing that makes spiritual direction spiritual direction is that you bring into that space of caring, you bring prayer into it. And so you say, hey, it seems like you're hurting here. You need answers here. Let's actually pause and pray and let the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who is the guide, who is the one who challenges us towards righteousness, let's let him do what he does best in this moment. And in that time of prayer, yes, Lord willing, we figure out some answers to problems. But more than that, we want to experience the presence of God. So it really thrilled me when your leaders asked me to speak to you today about prayer. My big idea for today is to believe and beg. That's the big idea from the passage today, believe and beg. First, we're going to see in verses 7 to 8, um, there's my sweet son. First, we're going to see in verses 7 to 8 that Jesus begs us to pray. What an idea, (laughs) Second, we're going to see in verses 9 to 11 that Jesus bolsters us to believe. Uh, It's going to be a little redundant, but you know what they say, repetition is the mother of learning. So we're going to read the passage again, all right? And if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand again. (laughs) And the reason that we stand, or at least that I'm asking you to stand when we read God's word, is because this is a word not just for your minds. This is a word for your entire being, for your entire soul. We are embodied souls And so we stand when we hear the word of the Lord read out of recognition that King Jesus is about to speak. And this is the word that we stand upon. So hear the word of the Lord. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Pray with me. Lord, we, we stand here today singing the song, we need you every hour. And we so want to believe that. We still need to believe that because it is reality. And Lord, we're opening your word, and we want to ask you for good things. Lord, would you speak to each of us in the specific places that we need to be spoken to? Holy Spirit, would you comfort us where we need comfort, where you challenge us, where we need challenge? Would you help us, and would you do more than we can ask or imagine in this time? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated a second time. All right, so first, let's talk about Jesus begs us to pray. I learned in the first service that you all have 711 gas stations here. So that really makes my illustration work. You know, I was crossing my fingers on that one. Uh, that's actually how I remember where this passage is, right? It's Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Okay? Uh, yeah, it's going to get cornier, and I'm sorry, but that's. That's what you're going to get from me. It also helps us to understand Jesus' kind of driving point behind this passage. So I think of 7-Elevens, right? And what we see in this passage is that Jesus here puts gas in our faith tank to propel us to believe. A little more corny there for you, but that's you'll be okay. So Jesus puts gas in our faith tank to do what? To propel us to believe. But to believe in what? To believe that we can ask God for anything, and he's a good father who provides. Even that word ask uh, can help us to kind of understand how Jesus is commanding us to ask. The A stands for ask, the S stands for seek, the K stands for knock. And this is not some polite, shy, Oliver Twist Type asking, please, sir, may I have some more? No. <laughs> Jesus here is begging us to pray. He's saying, ask, seek, knock, do it repeatedly, again and again. Believe that your Father will answer your prayers and get after it. <laughs> There's a principle here that Jesus is beginning to unpack for us and that is that we as followers of Jesus, those who are poor in spirit, as Jesus started out with the Beatitudes, we advance in the kingdom of God not by being impressive, but by becoming beggars. Matthew Henry, a famous commentator, uh, he famously said this about this passage. He said, those who would be rich in grace don't you want to be rich in grace? I mean, I just, I look at our world right now and I just think, my goodness, we need the wealth of God's grace to experience it, to taste it, to mull it over in our senses and then we need it to just kind of ooze out of us into this world. We lack a lot of grace right now. And he says, those who would be rich in grace must take up the poor trade of Begging. And they shall find it a thriving trade. Now, as much as Jesus in this passage is emphasizing the prayer, the asking, uh, we would be mistaken to to say that is the main emphasis of this passage. It's actually not. Uh, You all know if you go to downtown Seattle, right, you might run into a panhandler who's asking you for help. And that person although they know that the asking is necessary. They're not going to get help unless they ask. They all, there's also an awareness there that the asking is not what gets them the help. No, it is the kindness and the generosity of the person that they ask. And that is what Jesus is pointing to as reality here. Jesus points out in this passage the surety Of God's goodness, his kindness, and his favor. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and you will receive. You will find, and the door will be opened. If you get really kind of in the weeds of these first two verses, verses 7 to 8, Jesus is actually saying the same thing in two different ways. And there in verse seven, he gives us the literal command. He's commanding us to ask, seek, and knock. And then he gives us the promise that you will receive, find, and the door will be open. And then in verse seven, he doesn't command us. No, there he says the one who is asking, the one who is seeking, the one who is knocking. But then what does he do next? This is interesting. He then gives us the promise again that person will receive. They will find. The door will be opened for them. So if you're doing your math there, you'll see Jesus gives us the command to pray three times, but how many times does he give us the promise? Six times. (laughs) So the emphasis here is not on the asking, it's on God's grace. It is not the amount of asking that makes prayer work. What makes prayer work is the goodness of God. And yet, and still, as staggering as it is that Jesus is begging us to pray and he's trying to propel us towards that prayer by giving us all these promises, even still, isn't it so hard to pray? Don't we experience so many obstacles and challenges to just simply do what Jesus commands us to do here? You know, prayer is this beautiful, really, expression of our faith. It's an expression of our faith as Christians, and yet we have these obstacles to that faith. You know, an obstacle that comes to mind is that we just don't enjoy the experience of being as needy as Jesus tells us we need to be here. So, yeah, we can sing, Lord, we need thee every hour. The reality is we need him every nanosecond. (laughs) And yet, how often do we go throughout entire days without even thinking about our need for Jesus or how much we need to pray? Another obstacle, as Henry Nouwen puts it beautifully, as he typically does, He says this, prayer feels like a superfluous activity of superstitious people. Isn't that true? You know, you get by yourself, there's no one around, and you're just kind of talking into the air. Um, I I get this. You know, oftentimes with my prayer, I just feel like I'm tossing requests out there. And of course, I know, and you know, that God is near. The Bible teaches that. We know that he's near. We know that he's attentive. We know that he listens to us and that he cares deeply about us. And yet, and yet, how difficult is it to feel that in the quiet of prayer? You know, I mean, you're begging God to do something or to give you guidance and The only answer you get is the terrible silence of God. Friends, it takes a lot of faith to pray. That's why Jesus tells us that we need to believe in the Father's goodness so that we then will beg the Father for good things. Super interesting if you follow along in Jesus' life and ministry in the gospel, you'll find that he's constantly asking questions. I, I think that's fascinating. A lot of my work is just asking questions. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating to me that we have a God who asks questions. You know, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they sin, and they're so ashamed that they go and they hide. And what's the very first thing God does? He asks a question. Where are you? What did you do? Who told you? And so Jesus comes on the scene, God in flesh, and what does he do? He starts asking a lot of questions. And one question that he asks multiple times in multiple different places to people is, what do you want? I don't know about you, but I've, you know, in my own relationship with the Lord, often felt this tension between what I want and the Lord's will. You know, there's kind of like this... I think, inaccurate idea of like, oh, whatever I desire is contrary to God's will. And if it's God's will, then surely I'm going to be miserable doing it. Uh, Anybody else ever think that way? And yet Jesus here regularly says, what do you want? What a beautiful question. And yet, that question leads to another obstacle in our prayer we're scared to ask God, to seek God, to knock on the door. We are scared to ask for what we want because we fear the disappointment of not getting it. Or because, you know, we're ready to ask, but then we're afraid, what happens if I don't receive? And what does that say about Jesus? What does it say about this passage? What does it say about God? Or some of us may even be scared to ask Because we know that the life change that the answer requires might be too much to tolerate. We know that we're going to have to have courage. And so we just opt out of prayer. We don't do it. And Jesus knows this. And so he begs us to pray. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus also flips the script for us. So the second point, looking at verses 9 to 11... Yes, Jesus begs us to pray, but Jesus also bolsters our belief. He bolsters us to believe, to believe in what? In the goodness of the Father. You know, when we think of prayer as begging, our imaginations typically go to where I went earlier, right? Which is to the poor person on the street asking for help. Jesus changes the imagery here in verses 9 to 11. Look again with me at verses 9 and 10 to begin with. Jesus says, or, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? So, when Jesus talks about the begging that needs to happen in prayer, he doesn't go to the imagination of a panhandler. No, he goes to the relationship between a parent and a child. And all you parents in the room, as much as you love your children, you know <clears throat> the mind numbing madness that sets in as your child asks you the same question again and again and again for the entirety of a day, right? And that's Jesus's point. <laughs> that's the imagery that Jesus wants us to have in our minds. Children persistently ask their parents the same question again and again and again and again, why? This is fascinating. And this should encourage you parents who experience that. Children are persistent because they feel comfortable with their parents. Because they feel safe with their parents. And because ultimately they believe that mom and dad will give them good And as parents, we try, (laughs) don't we? Oh, we so want to. How many parents, how many of you have bent over backwards for your children to give them the childhood or the opportunities that you did not have growing up? think with me about three styles of parents, okay? Uh, The first would be abusive, neglectful parents. If you have an abusive or neglectful parent, don't think too much about it right now. We don't want to go down that rabbit trail just yet. But think about abusive, abusive, neglectful parents. Second type of parent, think about meaning, you know, these well-meaning yet also indulgent parents, you know? Uh, Whatever you want, Susie, sure. Like, uh, it's 10 o'clock at night, you want ice cream? Sure, I love you so much, right? Uh, third, think about a loving yet boundary-setting parent. You know, yeah, I love you. I want to give you good gifts. I I, I want to bless you. You're my child. Yeah, I'm not going to give you ice cream at 10 o'clock because the reality is that's not good for you, right? So think of those three types of parents. Now, let me ask you this. Which of those options is good. Which is the good parent? It's the third, of course, right? It's the loving, boundaryed parent. You know, we possess a subterranean knowledge of the wrongness of bad parenting. We also possess a subterranean knowledge of the rightness of good parenting. You just know it when you see it. And so, verse 11 here is really the kicker. It's the key verse. It's the verse that unlocks all of the other verses. Look at it with me again. Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, ouch. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jesus. Uh, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to you to those who ask so this phrase how much more it is simultaneously humbling and honoring What Jesus does in this one verse is he peels back the curtain and he shows us our wickedness. That's humbling, right? Even though we strive so, we work so hard to be good parents, Jesus still says, but you're wicked. And yet, he also peels back the curtain and shows us the amazing love of our Father for wicked people. That's honoring isn't it? Despite our evil, God loves us. How incredible is that? We discover that we are sham artists like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, we try to be perfect parents. We work so hard at it, yet God's the real deal. God is the best parent. He is the perfect Parent. And there's this paradox here between our desperate need and God's amazing love. And I personally think that the paradox of that tension is one of the main reasons we struggle to pray. We become passive or pessimistic in our prayers. And so Jesus here, he bolsters our belief in the goodness of God. Why? Because we're so inclined to question it. We think that God is like us. We think, yeah, he's a well-meaning parent. But he's, he's imperfect, just like us. And so we believe the lie that either God is not able to answer our prayers. Or we believe the lie that God's not good enough to care about our prayers. So we just don't pray. And here's what I hope is encouraging to you. Jesus knows this about us. Jesus knows of this propensity that we have to question the goodness of God. And so what does Jesus do? He begs us to pray and he gives us twice the amount of promises as he does commands. Jesus knows that we struggle to question God's goodness, so what does he do? Jesus bolsters our prayers with the truth of who God is. He gives us a clearer picture of the reality of our Father. Now, you might be asking at this point, really thinking, that's great, that's wonderful, but really, what do we do with this passage? Because... We all have had experiences where we do ask, we do seek, we do knock, and Jesus promises that we will receive, and yet we all have had those moments where we've asked and we did not receive. What do we do with that? I just want to say that's an incredibly valid question. That's a great question. That's a needed question. And I have a lot of thoughts about how to answer that question, and I'm not going to share any of them with you right now. You're welcome. Why? Because Jesus doesn't. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus knows our propensity. He knows the inclination of our minds. And yet Jesus doesn't go straight into explaining away the mystery of this tension of the command with the promise and how it plays out in our realities. No, Jesus does not give us explanations. Instead, he stretches our imaginations. <laughs> he blows up our image of God to say, here's a true or a better picture of who your heavenly father is. And what we learn in that is we don't need, need is the operative word there, we may want to know All right, what's the answer between Jesus saying, ask and you will receive, and my reality of I ask and sometimes I don't receive? We may so want to know that mystery, but we ultimately don't need to know that mystery. What we ultimately need is a more intimate, personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. We need to experience Him. As our loving heavenly Father, and where do you experience him as your loving heavenly father it 's in prayer. <laughs> you see the, you see the bind we put ourselves in we don 't trust his goodness so we don 't pray. right? Jesus is giving us a different way. Trust his goodness so that you pray so that you experience his goodness, and the spiral just grows. <laughs> We so need Jesus' wisdom here. That's not to say that you can't question or ask questions. Some of us have more skeptical, questioning minds. You certainly can talk to God about those struggles. You certainly should. And I pray that you have the type of relationships where you can talk to one another about, I'm struggling with this passage. I ask and I didn't receive, and what do I do with that? Definitely talk about those things. But know that your deepest need is to know your heavenly Father for who he truly is. And Jesus' invitation here is to become like children again. To become the child who asks again and again and again and again. (laughs) You know, in the rest of life, constant begging is a nuisance to us, even with our children, who we love so, so much. We're like, please, for the love of Jesus, don't ask me again. (laughs) You know, I've given you an answer. Um, It's a nuisance to us, constant begging is. It turns us off, it turns us away from people, but please hear what Jesus is saying. In prayer, constant begging actually endears you to your Father. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you don't bother God. When you come to God in prayer, he doesn't think, oh, here comes this beggar again. Oh, just wish they'd get over with it and Leave me alone. That is not God's posture towards you. God loves it when you come to him and ask him for the same thing for the thousandth time, plus a thousand times. He loves it because he loves you that much. And he loves that experience because your heavenly father delights in you and loves being with you. That is just who God is. Will we trust Jesus when he tells us that's who God is? <laughs> I pray that we do. As we wrap up today, uh, yeah, for the past 15 years, I've been serving in local church context in my ministry. And here recently, after many years of praying and processing with the people close to me, my own spiritual director. My family and I have sensed the Lord's leading us to step away from the comfort of like a set paycheck and to move into the adventure with God of self-employment into this new ministry with Steadfast Ministries. And I just want to share God has provided in absolutely astounding ways thus far. It's been really cool to watch God provide. Uh, I also want to say and be clear that we need God to continue to build and grow this ministry. More specifically, you can pray for us. This is my, um, you know, personal plea for prayer right now. Uh, we need more work. I need more clients to pay my bills come 2022. And I share that for a couple of reasons. The first reason that I want to share that is because uh, my temptation, my propensity is can be to kind of put myself out there as an image of being all put together. And we're just not right now. That's just not where we are. Maybe some of you can resonate with that too. Uh, The second reason that I want to share that dynamic in our life right now is just to also say it's scary. (laughs) My wife Rachel and I regularly, as we're on this kind of like jumping out, uh, diving off the cliff in faith, we're like, this is terrifying. It's really terrifying. And there are moments, yes, there are so many moments where it's like, God, you're so good. I'm experiencing your fatherly love. Like, this is an adventure. Let's do this. And then there are other moments where I panic. And I'm just like, whew, I'm struggling to believe your fatherly love right now. Maybe you can resonate with that too. I mean, panic and anxiety is so interesting, isn't it? You know, we... We basically convince ourselves of an imaginary future where God is not good. And we so much live in that imaginary future where God is not good that we miss the reality of God's goodness right now. (laughs) And so we need Jesus to encourage us with passages like this. I've thought of this passage a lot. And I've been challenged to ask, to seek, to knock Not just in general, but with specificity. (laughs) Lord, give us more work. Give us more clients. Show us your fatherly goodness. And maybe you're here today and you're in a similar spot where you have things that you want to ask Jesus for. Things you want to seek. Things you want to knock at his door. And yet you're just scared to ask. And so what I want to do is I want to close out our time, maybe in a little different way than you're used to actually inviting us to for about two or three minutes let's obey Jesus. Let's apply the passage we just heard right now. Let's hear Jesus begging us to believe and beg God and then let's display our faith in God's goodness by asking him courageously and with boldness for what we want out of life. So over the next few moments in silent prayer, let's trust that God is good. And let's ask him for what we're desiring with specificity. So for the next three minutes or so, I want to invite you to pray and apply this passage in your relationship with the Lord. And then I will close us in prayer. And we'll continue to worship Jesus. So go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we can become so uncomfortable with silence, especially when a strange preacher makes us sit in it for three minutes. (laughs) And yet, Lord, it's in silent prayer that we wrestle with you. We wrestle between our desires, what we want, what we're asking for, and the reality of our lives. Lord, it's a scary, vulnerable place for us to put ourselves, because this activity of prayer that seems superfluous and for superstitious people, we're confronted with just how needy we are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, you tell us, Jesus. Would we embrace a poverty of spirit that manifests itself, expresses itself in a life filled with prayer? And as we become people of prayer, as I was praying just a moment ago for this church, Lord, that they would become people of prayer. And that as they do, they would experience your fatherly love in ways that they have never experienced before? And would your love ground them and keep them in a place of security and safety in a world that is crumbling all around us? So God, thank you for this church. pray that you would bless them. And I pray, Lord, that you would do for them more than we could ever ask more than we could ever
0: imagine. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.